Welcome to That's a Hard No, the podcast about learning to say no and set boundaries to live our best lives. I'm your host, Heather Drago. You may think because of this podcast that I'm a boundary setting expert, but I'm not. I'm an expert at struggling to set boundaries. But you know what? I'm working on it and it is getting easier. Follow along with me as I learn from fellow strugglers and experts so that you too can start saying no without feeling fear, guilt, or FOMO. entrepreneur, and co-founder of City Six String, a group of 30-plus classically trained musicians who perform at hundreds of events per year throughout Ohio. Sarah is also the host of the Serapy Podcast. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. It's a delight to have you on. So you're not busy at all. <laughs> I've, I've got a couple things going on. Yeah, you're reading it, and I'm like, oh, wow, that is a lot. You do a lot. No wonder I'm always busy. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so I'm fascinated about this little, no little company you started with all these musicians. Tell me about it and how it came to be. Yeah, for sure. So we started, my, um, business partner and I, McKinley Glasser, she plays cello. She is absolutely amazing. So her and I started it in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, we, it was like the middle of COVID, I guess the beginning of COVID, like, yeah, 2020, And we obviously some of the events were kind of on a little bit of a pause and everything was being rebooked. Like all of the weddings were being moved to 2021, 2022. And I found myself in a situation where I was getting double booked a lot. Like, oh, I'm like three different inquiries for weddings this day. Like I can't be all these places at once. Um, And so I did a lot of like, hey, talk to my, um, I referred people a lot to like, oh, talk to this person, they play violin. Um, And so I was doing a lot of recommending that way. And I was like, you know, I, I think I should like be getting paid for this (laughs) instead of just like always supplying people with (laughs) names and like, and so, yeah, so we ended up starting City Six Strings. Um, And that way we could book, you know, eight weddings for October of next year and not panic like, oh, are they going to all work out on time? Right. Um, And so, yeah, so that's how it got started is just like, let's be able to book a couple weddings on one day instead of just one. Um, And then, yeah, then it kind of snowballed. And obviously 2020 was a perfect time to start booking events far out because everything was being rescheduled. Um, 
And so, yeah. And so then it just kept going and we just had our three year anniversary. Wow. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And we do all sorts of events. Um, It kind of like really started out as weddings, but now we do private events, public events, um, parties, proposals, whatever you can think of. Um, Yeah. And it's it's mostly strings. So we specialize in string duos, string trios, string quartets, uh, but we also work with pianists, vocalists, and we are ever expanding. We want to cover, you know, we'd love to cover all the instruments at Mm -hmm, some point, mm -hmm. but yeah, so that's kind of how I got started. So interesting. So I have a client that's in the wedding industry. I have a friend who had to reschedule their wedding like three times. I mean, it was (sighs) such a chaotic time in the whole thing. So it's interesting to me, like... In a way, your business was designed to control chaos. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it <laughs> yeah. was like, this is a mess. We got to find a better way to do this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So that was definitely, it was designed to control chaos. I guess it, I actually did it that way to control chaos in my own life. <laughs> Because there were so there would be so many events on like one day and I was like, I just can't do this. But then it actually ended up controlling chaos on a larger scale, I guess. Yeah, it was it's nice now to be able to like now we have the system set up with like, okay, someone wants to book. Here's your contract. Here's everything you need. Um, And I didn't realize how much like that level of organization was missing Mm -hmm. in my Mm -hmm. business when Mm -hmm. it was like just me trying to book everything on my own calendar. So, yeah. So it was created to like control chaos in my individual life. But then it has, you know, now we can do that for all the people that we employ, too, and all the people we contract. So it's been nice to like have that on a large scale. Yeah. Once you have systems and structures in place, then you can scale. Hot take. Organization (laughs) is a great skill. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, you kind of remind me of me when I was younger in that I'm, I dropped out of school. Yeah. You dropped out of school. I sure did. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, um, well, my education background, I did my undergrad at Cleveland State University. Shout out. Yes. We love CSU. (laughs) Um, and then I moved to Cincinnati for my master's Mm -hmm. and, um, I completed that degree in 2022. And then I started another degree. Um, I started what's called an artist diploma. Um, It's kind of, I'm not sure how well this translates to other areas of study, but it's honestly, I'm just going to say a pointless degree (laughs) in the sense that like you don't use it for like, oh, I have my artist diploma now. Now I can go join this orchestra. Mm -hmm. Like the it's for the sole purpose of like getting performance experience and that type of thing. So It's basically like you'll play in ensembles. You will give a bunch of recitals. Um, So I was going to have that degree to um, basically just get better as a musician. Mm -hmm. So I started that degree. It was going to be two years. Um, I did one semester and one week, a whopping one (laughs) semester and one week of that degree. And um, I just, yeah, I found that like my educational duties and my responsibilities that I had to the school and to some of the instructors there were getting in the way of me actually trying to start my own career and like live my life, Mm -hmm. I guess. And I felt that there was there was a lot of competition between my education and like my career. 
if that makes sense. Right. So I was getting like a lot of opportunities to like perform here, do this. And I had to keep saying no because of school. And I was like, okay, school is keeping me. The thing that I'm actually going to school to do is getting in the way of the right. thing that I'm supposed to right. be doing. And yeah. so I ended up in like a lot of conflict and then eventually made the decision, yeah, I care more about like these opportunities. Right. So, yeah. Sounds like it just wasn't serving you. Yeah, it wasn't serving me anymore. I felt like I constantly had to make choices about like what was best for me and for my future versus what was best for the school and the education system. Um, and that just did not, and, um, but the school, like CCM, it's a great school. I think it's wonderful, but I just, I think everybody gets to the point in their education or their career where they have to choose like, okay, am I ready to, it sounds cheesy, but spread my wings and fly, you know? (laughs) And that's different for everybody. But for me, like it was time for me to like be, to just be like Sarah and be an entrepreneur and not just be like a student anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What surprised you about becoming an entrepreneur? You know, I'm sure you had a vision of what it would be like. Yeah. And then what was the reality? Oh, that's such a great question. I think that like what surprised me was how much I loved my freedom. Um Like the main reason that I stayed in, you know, I stayed in school for over six years Um, And I always had this fear of like, if I am left to my own devices, basically, if I have my own schedule, like, and I'm making work for myself, like, I don't trust myself that I'm going to like keep getting better and keep like getting gigs and, you know, further my business. Like, I'm scared that I don't have, if I don't have a structure that's imposed on me, that the structure that I create for myself is going to be lacking in comparison. Mm. Um, And so I was really afraid that like not having that anymore would put me in a position where I was underperforming or I wasn't, you know, living up to my potential. And I really found that it was like the complete opposite. I found that like when I didn't have like what basically when I made my schedule for myself, Like, I loved it because I filled it up with things that, like, I love to do. And in that way, I actually was, like, more successful when I had my freedom. So I think that's what, like, surprised me the most is the fact that, like, it actually, like, I was better for it. Like, Mm -hmm. I was better when I, like, when I could make my own business because I was doing stuff that, like, I loved so much. So, yeah. yeah. It's almost like you had to learn to trust yourself. Yes. Like you didn't, Yeah, it's, you know, I don't want to use the word imposter syndrome because I think it's overused, Mm -hmm. but I know that in my business, we're coming on eight years. Oh my God. Congrats. Um, Wow. Um, (laughs) Just realized (laughs) that. Yeah. Um, I kind of felt a little unsure of myself. I would walk in meeting a new client and I would think, you know, I'm not really sure I'm up to this, te- you know, and then yeah. and then I would do the work and then mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, look what I know. And so, yeah, it's almost like you have to prove to yourself that mm-hmm. you are capable. You are a grown up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can you can set your own rules. And yeah, you know, and I think we all have this like I am not 
unique in this sense. I think we all have this fear of like, okay, I have to be completely ready before I do this thing. Like I have to, with school, it's like, oh, I have to have this number of degrees or I have to have all of these qualifications before I can like jump in and do the thing. And that is just such a lie because like you are never going to be like totally prepared for whatever you're going to jump into. Like if you had told me all of the work that like my business was going to be, I would have been like scared. I would have been like, I have no idea how I'm going to do that. Like there's absolutely no way for you to be prepared. Like the preparation that you can do, like could do is in the process. Right. Do you know what I mean? So like that's one thing that I've had that I try to train myself to do is like, okay, be prepared as you can. Like, always be prepared as you can for things, but know that, like, there's also no way to be fully prepared, and you're going to have to, like, learn how to do it once you jump in. And that's, mm-hmm. that's like you were saying, part of, like, trusting yourself and, right. like, just getting more used to that process. Yeah. yeah. When I started my business, there was no plan. Yeah. There was no business <laughs> plan. I was like, you know, I'm doing this for other people. I want to do this for myself yeah. now. And I, you know, filled out the paperwork with the state. Yeah. Like, okay, it's official. Well, <laughs> got oh a, no, I'm in charge. Got my business checking account now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember at one point I spoke with a mentor, uh, a woman who's very well known in the marketing world and who's kind of famous for branding. I said to her, you know, like, I don't have a business plan. And she's like, well, why, why? Why would you need one? Yeah. And I was like, well, <laughs> she's like, do you need to go get a bank loan or something? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, you're profitable, right? And I was like, yeah. And you know what you're doing, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> I yeah. was like, really? Like, this woman worked for major, major companies. And I was like, okay. You're like, well, if she doesn't have a plan, then I guess I'm okay. Yeah, if I mean, I don't know if she did or not. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I, I just was kind of like, okay, Um And, you know, sure, I've gotten some professional help in terms of, like, business coaching and Mm -hmm. stuff and, like, you know, accountants and things like that. But, like, um, yeah, it's like I had to just learn by doing and and trust myself. And So, yeah, the reality of the situation, though, is, like, if I or you or whoever starts a business and, like, you don't like it or it's not the right fit for you – do something else. Right. Like it's never going to be a waste of time because when you, when you do it, like you're going to learn things that you like about it, things that you hate about it. Like you're going to learn like things within the venture or the business or whatever it is that are going to help you, even if that's not the thing. Like hundred percent. I can totally testify to this. I, (laughs) so way back when I founded a nonprofit did I have a nonprofit degree or experience? No. Yeah. Um, and we were trying to save an old building and turn it into an art center and all this stuff. I spent five years full time volunteer trying to do this. I went around the state. I met people who ran centers all over the state. I met the governor. I asked for money. I got money. Um, I did all this cool stuff. Um, and then the housing bubble burst. And, mm. and then no one was giving money to art centers for capital or anything like that and everything just kind of fell apart and I felt like a total failure Mm. so much so that in my community where everybody knew me for doing this thing I kind of like hid from everybody for years I was so yeah I felt like such a failure I felt um, like I'd let everybody down 
And then in, as time went on, um, there was a person I was working with who was an architect who I became friends with, and he was helping us figure out you know, how to repurpose this building and stuff. And at one point we were working on this big study and we were walking up to his big official downtown office and everything. And he said, I don't know how this is going to work, but someday people are going to start paying you just to tell them what to do. And he's like, I don't know what that looks like, but that's, that's what's going to happen to you. You're going to be paid to tell people what to do. And I was <laughs> like, okay, buddy. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, after this whole thing fell apart, I realized I'd learned how to make a website <laughs> I learned how to research. I learned how to do public speaking in front of large audiences. I learned how to do all these things that I had never had the skill set to do before. Um, And then when I turned back to my marketing career, I could apply all those things and then become a business owner. So it was like something that I totally felt bad about. And Mm -hmm. then when I realized all the things I had learned and done in that time, I was able to apply it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, if I can like piggyback off that a little. One thing that I've one thing that I've realized like being in music and now I'm obviously like doing a podcast and I do kind of a lot of I have a lot of varied interests is like how universal skill sets are that right. you learn as an entrepreneur in particular. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think any skills you learn in whatever you can apply to anything, but like I've just realized like, oh, I had to learn to do this in music. I had to learn to, I don't know, like analyze this thing or listen back to this thing and figure out like how I can improve. Okay, I have to do that in my podcast too. Like now I have to listen back to my podcast and hear like, how can I improve? So like whenever I'm like dabbling in something in some kind of skill and my mind plays tricks on me and is like, oh, you're not going to like this this might not be worth your time. Like, this might not be worthwhile. I remind myself that, like, the skills can always be Im- applied to, like, another skill set. You yeah. know? Like, that's yeah. one thing that I've learned is, like, the un- – how do I say this? The universality. <laughs> is that a word? Yeah. The universal application of, like, yeah. skills that you learn. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of varied interests – Yes. A little birdie told me that you recently joined a heavy metal band. I sure did. Okay, so tell me how that works with this classical violinist. Okay, yes. So um, so I'm classically trained. I've played in since I was, I started when I was five playing violin. Yeah, and it's always been orchestras. Um, I dabbled in like, I used to play in like worship bands and church and stuff, but it's always been primarily orchestra, a lot of that. And, you know, with orchestra, there's a lot of rules that come with that Mm -hmm, and things mm -hmm. that you have to follow. And it's, you know, sometimes can be a little um, stuffy, for lack of a better Mm -hmm. way of putting it. Formal. A little, yes, that's a a way better word (laughs) than stuffy. But yeah, so I've always, but I love it though, obviously. I love the classical field or I wouldn't be in it. Um, But recently, in earlier this year, actually, I got a DM from Rome Music, shout out, R-O-M-E Music, Um, and he basically just asked me, Rome is the lead singer, Mm -hmm. and he asked me, like, hey, would you be interested, long story short, hey, would you be interested in, like, flying here to Texas, the band is based in Texas, Oh wow! and auditioning for this band. We're doing this music video, we don't have a violinist right now, Um, and I was like... 
I definitely thought about it a lot. Like, is this something, this is obviously something I've never done. I have never um, held my violin while, like, headbanging. Um, I have never, like, danced. <laughs> Out of with... your comfort zone. Yeah, this yeah. is a little, like, crazy for me. But I was like, you know, I'm out of school. I'm like, I have the freedom to do something like this. I have the opportunity to be in a music video. Like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I ended up flying there. And being in their music video and working with them. And it was honestly just one of the most refreshing, liberating experiences that I had ever had as a musician. Because there were no rules that you have with, like, classical music. It was Mm -hmm. just very, like, it was very fun. It was a lot about just, like, expression through movement and, like, experimenting with sounds that I feel like sometimes you lack that lacks in like an orchestra where you're trying to sound like uniform more and everything's very kind of, you want to sound the same. Um, And yeah. And so I had a really great experience there and um, it really opened my mind to the need for, um, for classical music and stringed music within like a broad range of genres because as much as you might not put together violin and a metal band like it has its place and it elevates the sound and actually if you look in if you look in the youtube comments on the (laughs) video a lot of people are like wow the violin sounds dope you know Mm -hmm. so yeah that's what it really did for me is just opened my mind to like how much better music can be when you collaborate genres mm-hmm. and when you take people that wouldn't normally make music together and put them together. Um, and so, yeah, so that was in May, I believe okay. that happened. And then shortly after that, they asked me to join the band, which oh, wow. was really cool. And um, yeah, so right now we're kind of in the building stage. We're shooting videos and trying to get songs out there. Um And uh, it's not for sure, like, where it's going to go, but it's been, like, a really incredible experience. And it's, like I said, it's just been eye-opening to me, like, putting putting different genres together Mm -hmm. that you normally wouldn't. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we'll be right back. Okay. That's a Hard No is brought to you by Clever Girl Marketing, my full-service agency specializing in smart, strategic marketing solutions for businesses and nonprofits. Okay, so you're probably wondering, Heather, what's with the podcast about boundaries? Why not marketing? Well, maybe in the future, but for now, it actually does relate. So bear with me here. Smart marketing, strategic marketing, requires knowing what to say no to and why. Businesses and nonprofits get inundated with marketing options and offers every day. We help you cut through all that noise, focus on your specific needs, and develop actionable strategies that are doable and actually make sense. Whether it's websites, SEO, email, social, or traditional channels, we're experienced in all of it. So if you need help figuring out your marketing, visit our website, clevergirlmarketing.com, and get in touch. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals 
who've overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave. You are a very busy person. Somewhat. And you're flying to Texas and you're running this thing all over the state. I think you're traveling up and down the state multiple times Mm -hmm. um, and you're, you know, performing. Yeah. So tell me about time management and stress and boundaries and how are you doing all this? Well, to be honest, this is probably where I struggle the most. Time management is, I think, the hardest thing for me. Um, I do have, like, a type B personality. I'm very, like, um, I'm usually, if it were up to me, I would not be that structured. But I have to be. Mm -hmm. I have to be or, like, all of my stuff will not get done. Um, so what I've, what I've started telling myself, because I do like to just like kind of be all over the place, to be honest, but what I have started telling myself is Sarah, if you plan this out, if you are more strategic and do planning, you can enjoy when you're there more, Mm, you know, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So the more I like do put everything on a schedule, the more I feel like in those moments, okay, I can relax and I can just like kind of let loose more because it's in my calendar. You can because, be present Yeah, because you're I, not worrying. Yes, yeah. because I don't have to worry about like the next thing. It's already in my calendar. Like mm-hmm. I'll get to it when I get to it. And like I'm saying all this like I'm a pro at it, but I'm not. Like, oh, no. It's definitely. I have the, a podcast about boundaries and I have trouble setting boundaries. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, like me talking about it is also saying like I have a really big problem with it. But, you know, it's been one thing that I think I'm learning the most right now in my life is how much time should I allot to my job and the things where I'm actually making money? Mm -hmm. And then how much things can I allot to things where I'm not making money, but I'm having a blast Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. my podcast Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, sometimes that's just hanging out with my friends. And I found that, like I said, the more like intentional I am and the more I plan it out, the more fun I can have. One thing that I really like that I'm kind of do sometimes I'm in the process of doing, I stole it from another podcast is based. Yeah, I heard about it on another podcast is basically like color coordinating your calendar and putting like the things that you really love in like yellow or something or some everybody hates the color yellow but I like it so like putting like the things you love in yellow and then looking at your calendar and if if you look at October and like there's no yellow then that's a problem then like you need to find a way to get more fun in your calendar while still accomplishing like everything else. So that's one thing that I've tried to do is like have the stuff in my calendar where I can like have fun and enjoy myself. Um, That is, can I just interrupt you there? I love that. If you look at my calendar, it is a rainbow. It is just, (laughs) and people look at it, you know, on my team and they're like, holy crap. And there's like blue is for the podcast and purple is, you know, focus time. And, but I never thought about color coding for fun yeah 
that is a great topic. Yeah. Or a great idea, I mean. Like, I, I stole it from someone. I love it. I love <laughs> it because I do see, like, there are the family things. There are the, yeah. the internal meetings. There are the client things. It's all stuff other people need. It's yeah. not what I need. Yeah, exactly. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've, I kind of, like, put things into, like, the way I kind of cator- categorize things now is, like, there's kind of four different things I do. Like, one is where am I, like, working um, and making money remotely? Mm-hmm. Like, for City Six Strings, a lot of what I do is contracting. And mm-hmm. that's at my computer, you know, I'm sending contracts, I'm um, sending gig offers to people to play things. So that's, like, my remote work, mm-hmm. and that's what I do, when I, what I want to do more and more of. And then the second thing is, like, performing Mm -hmm. and like where am I making money but I actually have to be there Mm -hmm. like and that's like I said orchestras that's when I'm when I'm in Texas like in the studio and then the next thing is where like what am I doing where I'm not making money yet but like it's something that I enjoy that I eventually want to start making money with and that's right now that's the podcast for me that's social media like, I want to get more, um, like, social media deals and stuff. Like, call it an influencer or whatever <laughs> you want. But I want to... Content creator. Yeah, I want to yeah. have, like, brand deals and stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't really have that yet. So that's, like, the ca- the third category is, like, where am I having fun and not making money yet? And then the next thing is just, like, where am I just, like, living my life, basically? Mm-hmm. You know, like, enjoying myself or whatever it may be. And those four categories, like, they go up and down, like, all the time. And sometimes one will be, like, maybe sometimes I'm doing way, like, a lot of work in the podcast and I'm having a blast, but, like, I'm not making as much money, like, in my job where I'm contracting. So those, I try to look at it like that and I try to kind of keep them, like, equal more or less and it's just something I'm, like, working on all the time yeah is finding like how much should I do of each thing mm-hmm. so have you found in order to balance and have all those things you've had to say no to some things that were um yeah that made you feel guilty or bad or or not so bad or you know empowered yeah I think so absolutely yeah there's um I was actually reading I don't know if you've if you've read the book it's called the obstacle is the way um, oh, no. Uh, Ryan Holiday, I think it's by. Okay. But I was actually reading it this morning, and he was talking about how, like, when you have to say no to a business opportunity, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. There is going to be another one. Mm-hmm. He compared it to, like, a train. If you miss this train, the next train's coming. Like, it's okay. There is going to be something that comes along next time. And that's kind of what I had to do. Like, actually... Next week, I got asked to play um, in this orchestra, uh, Star Wars. They were doing the Star Wars soundtrack, and then the orchestra was going to play, and I was like, oh, well, that's freaking cool. Like, right. I want to do that, but I couldn't do it because I had a wedding I was going to. I had to do stuff for my business, and, like, in those moments, it's easy for me to be like, oh, my goodness, like, I can't do all these things I want to do, and I have just had to tell myself, like, Sarah – your life is long. Like you are going to get mm-hmm. to, there's going to be another opportunity mm-hmm. that 
that comes along the way and you're going to have to like say no to stuff that does seem like, you know, like in that moment, it feels like the end of the world to say no to it. Right. In that moment, it's like, this will never happen again. Or the thing I do in my head is I'll just power through. I'll just do all of it. And then, and instead of saying to yourself, you know, there's only so much energy and so Mm -hmm. many hours in the day. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I'm learning to be like, I have to protect my physical health and energy. Yeah. Well, that's been a big thing with me is like, I force myself to prioritize healthy habits because like, it can be hard. They do take time. I try to go to the gym like five times a week or I try to do some form of exercise five times a week. And, like, it's easy for me when I have so many things I could do in a week to be, like, I don't need to go to the gym. Like, I don't need to. It's not a necessity. But it turns out when I'm not doing those things that, like, ground me and make me feel really good, I show up poorly to, like, all the other stuff. And so it actually does end up being important. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I've had to do is, like, tell like prioritize those things that they might not seem important like just day to day but over time if I skip them for a long time I'm not even myself I'm like a deflated like not less energetic version of myself you know so yeah that's one thing I found to be like a non-negotiable that I'm still working on but yeah yeah well it's always a work in progress right yes so tell me about let's go back to entrepreneurship um so you I'm assuming you have a team of people, you have your partner mm-hmm. and yeah. So what are some boundaries you've had to set within your business as a small business owner? Are, are, are there any you've had to set that are surprising yeah. or, or that you are afraid to set and have learned to set? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think I have learned to, um, the, one of the biggest things I've had to do is to set a boundary of, like, I am going to have to do things, like, for my business that no one else is going to understand, and I can't spend all day explaining why I do something. Like, I can't spend all this time, like, trying to help somebody understand that, like, I might do something that doesn't make sense to them because they're not in my shoes. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, sometimes... I've, I've like, sometimes a gig will, someone will drop out last minute. There's a wedding on Saturday and somebody drops out like two days before. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I don't have a viola player for this wedding that this person contracted a violist for like two years ago, (laughs) you know? And what I have to do sometimes is send out like text to like a bunch of people like, hey, can you play this? Can you play this? I send it to 10 people because my job in that moment is to get it covered. Like I have to get it covered for the good of the business. And I'll have people get upset with me because somebody will then take the gig and then nobody else can have it. And people get kind of annoyed with me like, oh, well then why did you ask me to play it if then like now it's covered? Mm. And But for me, like the most important thing is getting it covered and then like so that my business has a good standing so that in the future I can offer you more gigs. And like I just, I hate like letting people down. I hate when people feel like I, you know, like I'm not doing things for them. And 
if it were up to me, I would spend a lot of time, well, if it were up to kind of like the part of me that's a people pleaser, <laughs> I would spend a lot of time being like, oh, I'm so sorry, like I had to do this for this reason, and like just a lot of explaining myself, mm -hmm. and a boundary I've had to set is like, Sarah, you can't explain yourself to every single person. Mm -hmm. Like if you mm -hmm. spend time doing that, especially with like as many people as I have to work with, like, I won't get anything done. I can't, it's not going to make sense to somebody that's not in my shoes why I mm -hmm. do things. Mm -hmm. And like, it's been a boundary and also like a balance of like, I want to do things in a nice way. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Like I'm trying, I created this business, like a big part to help people, but also like boundary, I can't spend all my time explaining like mm -hmm. why I had to do something and it didn't work out in like your favor this one time. So yeah, um, I would say another big area that's been boundary setting for me has been with the clients. Mm -hmm. Um, because like I said, I love to, me and my business partner, like we love to like make people happy. We want, we're in the wedding business. Yeah. That's supposed to be the best day of your life. Yeah. Like we want to pander to you. Like we want to say, yes, we'll do that. Yes, yes, yes. But if we do that for every single client, if for every single client we make exceptions and we have like hundreds of weddings in a year we're going to be exhausted like yeah. it's going to we're going to be burnt out we won't be able to like fully deliver to every person so what we've tried to do is set those boundaries early like put them in the contract mm -hmm. you can request this number of songs like we will not play if it's below 55 degrees like we try to put all the boundaries in the contract so that we eliminate as much boundary setting um, that we would have to do like later on, on the in the process yeah. as yeah. much as we can. But that's been a big one with like the clients because like I love them. Yeah. Like we build relationships with them. We want to jump through hoops for them, but we do, we can't do it with everybody. Yeah. I had yeah. to, as a business owner, I had to learn that. And every time a problem would come up, I'd be like, let's add that to the terms and conditions. Yeah. Like, like it was just things you never think about come up and you're like, what? That is bizarre. Like, yeah. don't text me at 7 a.m. I'm not going to answer your text yeah. at 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. um, so so that's one thing. And then speaking, you were talking earlier about your, your um, musicians and stuff. Yes. Like, I had to get over the mindset of it was my responsibility to make sure these people had um, money. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'm not an employment agency. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a business and it's a mutual thing. And it's, you know, I uh, early on, I got myself in trouble taking on business. I really didn't want to take on because I was so worried about keeping everybody else happy in my business. And, and you know, that's that's kind of where my breaking point happened at the end of 2018 when I was like, OK, I made a ton of money. Well, I didn't make a ton of money. Everyone yeah. else made a ton of money, but mm -hmm. I didn't. So, yeah, you have to you have to keep that business owner mindset mm -hmm. and and know why you're doing things and set those boundaries. Yeah. And for like on the client side, of, the other thing that's like so important with boundary setting like with the clients is because I'm setting boundaries for like a team of people. Right. Like within the event contracts, like I, me and McKinley, my business owner, we do not play all the events. Like right. I play, you have all these yeah, musicians. I play what I can. It's usually people showing up for me. 
And a lot of them are a lot like this is fine, but a lot of them are a lot more particular than me. Like a lot of them, you know, they'll do things. They won't want to do things that maybe I'd be like, okay, it's fine. Like, and so I have to set boundaries for like a wide umbrella of people. So that's what, cause I do get texts like, oh, this client, I showed up and they want me to, it's 50, it's, you know, 48 degrees out and they want me to play outside. Like, so, and that, so that's something that like, that's another reason it's so important is because I have to make sure it's, it's boundaries for everybody. Mm -hmm. Like the Mm -hmm. more people that are working under you or with you or whatever it is, you have to try to make a bigger umbrella in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I'm going to ask a dumb question. Oh, go for it. (laughs) I'm a music nerd. So what are your no's when it comes to music? What music do you like and not like to play or to listen to? Or It's such a great question. I will preface my answer by saying that, like, I feel a duty and an obligation to find something that I love and can enjoy about, like, all music. I feel like everything has its place. I feel like I can find, like, elements to appreciate in everything. Like, that's something I just, I take really seriously is I try, like, I try to respect, like, just every genre because there is, there's always, like, something I like about Mm -hmm. it, you Mm -hmm. know? So, as far as playing goes, um, okay, I'm trying to think. Like, I'm trying to think if there's music I really don't like. (laughs) Um... I'm not a huge country girl. Um, I was, I did have like a period of time when like in my life when that's like all I listened to was like country, country, country. And so I think like now it's not, I I got like over immersed Mm -hmm. in it. So Mm -hmm. I'm not a big country person. Um, That being said, I can play some fiddle. If you need Ah. some fiddle in your songs, don't hesitate. (laughs) I can do that. I really like, yeah, I, I don't know. There's actually not a ton of music I don't like. Okay. I wish I had a, a like better answer for that, but I just. Um, I think for me, it's it's about craftsmanship. I can mm, appreciate really good craftsmanship. Yeah. And when I hear some sort of bubblegum pop, schlocky boy bandy stuff yeah. that somebody wrote in a conference room like I'm not interested yeah. but if there's if there's any kind of genre where they're in and the musicians or the you know the writer or whatever really bring some artistry to it mm-hmm. then I can appreciate it I will say there's like a stigma with a lot of classical musicians um, where we don't like pop music. We don't like to play like popular covers. We don't like to play this and that because we're classical musicians mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like everything has to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I think that stigma has made me like go really far the other way because I just have a really strong belief that like if we, even as classical musicians, like if we want that field to excel, it is our job to make it more accessible. Like that's a big reason why I'm passionate about like City Six Strings does like a lot of pop covers Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. we'll play a string quartet of Taylor Swift. Like I believe that's really important because when those people like see that, oh, classical music isn't just putting on a suit and tie and going to the Cleveland Orchestra. Like, sure, yeah, that's a part of it and that's fun. And like, I'm down for that. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
but it's also just like fun. Mm -hmm. It's also should be like accessible. So yeah, that's been like something that I feel really passionate about is like making it more accessible to like people that wouldn't normally be like interested in that kind of thing. And that's why like, I don't know when I, when I was teaching violin, if my students wanted to learn like a Drake song, I wasn't like, no, we have to stick to what's in the book. I was like, well, yeah, let's do whatever you like. Let's, I want to make it more accessible to people because that's good for me too. Like Mm -hmm. that means more business for me, more business for musicians, Mm -hmm. the more we can make it like an all-inclusive space. I feel like um, the music world is really opening up for classical musicians because of things like video games. Um, My sister, for example, is a classically trained singer and pianist and um she's sung on like the zelda soundtracks and things like that and i feel like there's this huge opportunity um in the world of gaming and and all the streaming shows and you know even noah has a little composing business for who me yes (laughs) for his let's give it a plug what's it called north coast scoring and music production there we go (laughs) (laughs) for independent movies and TV and what what have you. Um, And I feel like that the world's really kind of opening up for musicians. Am Mm -hmm. am I right? Oh, yes. And it makes me so excited. Like, I truly believe one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about integrating genres and stuff is because I think that's the future. Like, I kind of think it's getting hop on the bus or you're getting left behind. Right, right. Like I I actually played, um, sometimes I have the opportunity to play with Dayton Philharmonic, which is a group in Dayton, um, (laughs) which is an orchestra there. And a couple weeks ago we played, it was called um, Tchaikovsky Five Drake. And it was literally Tchaikovsky Five integrated with oh, like wow. 20 drake songs How and it cool. yeah and it was the orchestra playing and then they had like um like singers there too that were you know he played the guy saying the drake part and then like the backup singers and it just i wow. think you know i don't know that everybody in the orchestra had as much of a blast as i did But, like, it made me so happy because Mm -hmm. I was like, these are the people that we need to get, like, into Mm -hmm. the classical music field. Mm -hmm. Like, these are the people we need to get, the people that'll, like, listen to Drake, like, that type of thing. And to your point, like, is, do you think there's more of a space for for that um, inclusion? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that's the direction we're headed. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the Cleveland Orchestra, they'll do... E.T. soundtrack and they'll play they'll do Star Wars and like there's more and more of that because that is what's like selling now and what people like so I mean you know you can hate it and be like no I'm only classical like I'll never play the Pops concerts like you can have that attitude and that's fine but Mm -hmm. like no that's the way we're going so it's kind of get on border. Yeah, Yeah. for years I heard the lament of, you know, the graying of the audience and the audiences are shrinking. And I think you have to kind of open your mind a little bit. And I always think about also these, you know, these classical composers. They were the rock stars of their day. They were rebels. I mean, that was some subversive music in some cases. And so I think, you know, we always think of the powdered wigs and the staid, you know, waltzes and things like that. And that wasn't how it was in the day. No. Right? Yes. And they experimented and they, you know, yeah. there's, I always, my favorite piece is a, is a Beethoven piece. It's a second movement, ninth 
think it's ninth orchestra, the second movement. And he did it for a hospital. Mm. Which I was a chair. He did it. He wrote it for a charity concert for a veterans hospital. And and the whole thing was panned. Everybody hated it. <laughs> uh, they made money for the hospital, but they hated it. And it was yeah. like they took risks. They did things that were not conventional. Mm -hmm. um, that you know, but that's one of my favorite pieces of music. Yeah, that's I love that you said that because like when people get so like uptight and stuff, I'm like, do you think Beethoven would have liked your attitude? Like, <laughs> right. do you really like who are you defending right now? <laughs> okay, all right. Well, Sarah, this has been a delight talking with you. We've had we've kind of gone a few yeah, different directions. It's been really, really fun. Yeah. Tell people how they can find you. Okay. Yes. So um my business is City Six Strings. We are on Instagram. City, the number six strings. Um, we have a website, citysixstrings.com. Um, and then for me personally, I am violin Sarah B on Instagram and on um on TikTok. And then also my podcast, Sarah P on Spotify. Um, on S A R A P Y. Yes, S A R A P Y, like Sarah and Sarah P. Um, so, yes, feel free to listen. Feel free to follow. I post some stuff, do some things. Yes. <laughs> well, fantastic. It's been a joy talking it's with you. It's been so fun. Yeah. Thanks, Heather. Okay, so that's it for now. Thanks for listening. That's a Hard No is a production of Clever Girl Marketing, my little agency in Cleveland, in partnership with our friends at Evergreen Podcasts. Many thanks to our amazing team, including Maura Del Rosario, our production and marketing coordinator, Noah Fouts, our amazing producer, editor, and composer who wrote our theme music and performed it with his band, The Big Leagues, and our new video producer and editor, Kay Holmberg. You can find show notes and resources on our website, and you can find other fun stuff on our socials. We're Hard No Podcast, and we're now on YouTube, so check us out there. Make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite listening platforms, but especially Apple. Can you please do us a favor? Give us a rating and review so more people can find us and learn how to say no. So until next time, thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no and say it with me. That's a hard no! Hi, my name is Sara, and I want to tell you about my podcast called can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.